When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing back former guest, former U.S. Women's National Team player, former team captain of Cornell Women's Hockey. She played professional hockey and won championships with the Boston Pride. And she was part of the Dream Gap Tour. Now she is working for the Carolina Hurricanes in Alyssa Gallardi. And Alyssa is one of the top hockey minds that I know. We had an unbelievable conversation that we'll get to in just a sec. Before we do get over there, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Jehu Lavecchio. What's up, brother? And the crowd goes wild. Uh, <laughs> how much, dude? Just another week in the books with the boys. Had a great week in the gym and big news. So we're recording this intro on Friday. And uh, one of my clients just got a two-year extension in the NHL, Trent Frederick, who's been on this podcast. If you haven't listened to that episode with Freddie, uh, you should definitely listen to it because that was a really fun one. It was right after he got uh, speared in the nuts by Ovechkin this season so we got to talk about some fun stuff with him and uh really excited the the kid has worked his bag off um to earn this extension and really really happy for him yeah i saw that on social media today that's uh that's unreal and you know it's funny like uh, you so you're his strength coach and he's been with you what a couple years now uh yeah two years this was years now this was the second year yeah so for the role that he plays, the role that you play in his development and in his career is huge because he is a guy that's got to grind it. You know, he's not going to be playing up with Bergeron or Marshawn for most of the time. He's the guy that's the agitator and he does a phenomenal job of it. And so he needs to be physically there. And so congrats to you, man. That's uh, That's got to feel pretty good. Uh, no congrats to me, but congrats to him. <laughs> it's, uh, it is cool, you know, to have, to know that you have some small part um in that stuff it's it's definitely cool definitely cool yeah very happy for him when you get to see a guy put in that much work that much dedication like unreal like his goal was to go into camp at a certain body fat to impress the brass and he's a big dude like he's a big boned kid like his natural body fat like if he was just in the general population and just kind of working out he'd probably sit at like 15 you know like like 13 and uh, when he works out hard, he's probably at like 11, 10. And the last two mo- uh, 40 days going into training camp, he literally sent me a picture of every single thing he was eating. I mean, like 
should I eat this? Can I eat this? Is this too many calories? Is what kind of sauce should I use? Like just because he cares that much and he wanted to go in and give himself the best chance, which he did. And he took off with it and, you know, he just got, got a two year extension. So cool to see you guys put in that effort work and that sacrifice. And yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And congrats to another former hockey think tank guest in Ryan Hardy, who just got a job with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so he is going to be, it looks like running their, their minor league team. And when you're doing that, you're obviously up and down working with, uh, with the big club as well. And obviously with what he's done in building what the steel is today, um, it's, it's a no brainer to, to get him to work in your development program to make sure your guys are ready for the NHL. Because I mean, what if they lost like five games in the last two years or something like that? Now, I mean, obviously not that much, but winning the Clark cup again this year. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to our podcast with him, go back and listen to him. He's probably one of our first 25 or so guests. And then we got a chance to interview Adam Nicholas, who works in player development with the steel just a couple ago. And uh, he got to, uh, to talk a little bit about what they do with the steel, but I mean, just a perfect fit with what Toronto's trying to do. Obviously they're trying to get over the hump that they haven't been able to get over for quite some time right now, but you know, everywhere Ryan's gone has, has been great. And we've worked with him uh, in the past and uh, just, uh, just a great guy also. So congrats to him for, uh, for making that jump back into the NHL and I uh, think he's going to do great. I know he's going to do great. I know so many people that have played on his teams or worked with him um on the other side like i don't know anyone who says a bad word about him very similar to you like not i've not heard one bad thing about him everybody's like he gets it like he just he just knows what he's doing he cares about everyone and like uh i remember adam nicholas said he's an inclusive person he's all about inclusion and bringing everyone in to move the ship forward and um you feel that way when you're around him i loved when i was coaching and i would go to tournaments or or weekends um, showcases and I knew he was going to be there because I knew he's going to be in the stands. I knew he was going to come up and give me shit about how tight my pants were. And you a picture of me from the back about why are Vex's jeans this tight? Where'd you get that shirt at baby gap? And I'm giving shit for wearing, you know, cubic zirconia earring earrings when he was younger. Like he's a great dude. I love him and uh, nobody more deserving. So congrats Arno. Yeah. So congrats to, uh, to two great hockey guys, another great hockey person, not hockey guy, but great hockey person, Alyssa Gallardi. Uh, so this was a fantastic conversation. And the genesis of this conversation was gags threw something up on social media. It was basically this little thought bubble, almost type thing of her holistic development approach and what was really important when it came to the holistic player development and the conversation that we had, unfortunately, Vex, you weren't able to, to be on the call for it because you were taking care of, of your guys in the gym at the time. Um, but we got to talk about basically how important player development is, what it is, and it was amazing how little of it was just hockey stuff. <laughs> we barely talked any hockey stuff. We talked about a lot of things that go into allowing a player to be the best that they can be that has nothing to do with the ice. And so um, it just, it was a reminder and, and just such a, such a great thing. I think for people to hear in a conversation of how important just all the other stuff away from the rink is to becoming uh, a great hockey player or great at whatever it is that you want to do. So thanks to gags for coming on. This was, this was an awesome one. You guys are really going to enjoy it. Yeah. I was really butthurt that I couldn't come, 
be on the call for this one because I really like uh, Gags. I, I really loved having her on the first time. I think uh, I, I think that she's just she's got an unbelievable hockey mind, and I literally can't tell you how many people I know sent me her the picture of her thought bubble that she put on Instagram and the oh really the, dude I, at least 12 13 and I was like yeah like I, I know her I love this girl like she's awesome what she does and she reps a GMBM she bought a GMBM backpack and wears it all the time she so, did tell me that yeah, actually yeah so, <laughs> very very cool I really wish I could have been on the call gags if you listen to this I'm really sorry uh can't wait to catch up with you but I'm excited to listen to this one yeah, this was this was a fun one for sure. So her her and I yuck it up for for a little bit and I think you guys are really going to like it. So let's not take up too much more time. Let's thank all the people that have been instrumental to making this podcast go boom. So first of all, thanks to Gelsticks, our title sponsor. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> Love it. If you edit this, I'm going to kill you. No, no. Make the podcast go boom. No, you cannot edit that out. The Uh, podcast is going boom. Who are our sponsors? Skyrocketing. Uh, So thank you to Gel Sticks, our title sponsor. They've been with us every step of the way. Uh, Awesome, awesome guys that run that. John Lounsbury, just a phenomenal human being. And uh, a lot of the same values that we have here on the podcast. So go to gelsticks.com, G-E-L-S-T-X.com to get your weighted training sticks that NHL teams use, the NTDP uses, junior teams use, and and I've seen a ton of people use it. Jeff uses these things in the gym as well. So um, awesome, awesome product. And thanks to them for uh, supporting our podcast. Thank you to Train Heroic, Jeff's training app. Get on that app if you want to get in shape, if you just want to get in shape, if you want to become a better athlete, if you want to just, you know, slim down, tone down, whatever it may be. So Jeff's got a bunch of different workouts on Train Heroic. It's an app on your phone. Uh, I believe it's a free app. And then your, um, you know, your programs are very, very high value, low cost, not going to say cheap because it's not cheap, high value, low cost. And, uh, so I know a lot of people that are on there, Vex, as you can tell from our podcast, if you listen to us a while, his main goal is to make people healthier. And his main goal is to provide a service to everybody. That's going to be awesome. So, Go to Train Heroic, download the app, look for RIPT Ripped Workouts by Jeff Lavecchio. Thank you to IceHockeySystems.com. These guys are unreal as well. They have the best coaching platform on the internet today, and we are bringing out a huge association platform so you can get everything that they have to offer for your entire association. It has over a thousand drills and videos, guys like myself, Dennis Savard, who's way better than myself, uh, but Ben Eves and, and so many great hockey guys, uh, just so many great drills, so many great systems talk, uh, everything about player development. Uh, they have a drill drawing software that's amazing, and you can literally get this for every coach in your organization under your association platform so go to icehockeysystems.com look for the association platform and get that and last but not least i wanted to bring something up before we head over to gags and jeff and i always kind of end our intro with um, just thanking you guys thanking you guys for supporting our podcast everybody that tunes in everybody that listens we continue to grind this baby out here uh, even with our busy schedules during the summer uh, because you know we enjoy getting the feedback that this is actually making a difference in the not only youth hockey world but in the 
you know, higher level hockey world as well. And I got a note from a former division one assistant coach who I knew and saw on the road all the time uh, about his, uh, his kid and his kid is applied to prep schools. And, um, you know, so they had to do go through these applications and uh, on his application, there was a question. And the question was aside from books, articles assigned by school, what books, articles, podcasts, or documentaries have you most enjoyed in the past year and why? And so his kid uh, on this application actually said that our podcast was the thing that you know, he was most, uh, had, had an impact on. So I wanted to read what he wrote because he sent me what he wrote. And, uh, I don't feel, kind of feel weird saying who it was, but, um, it was just very touching to, to get this kind of feedback. And we hope we can make this impact with, with other people as well. So, um, he says over the past year, I've enjoyed listening to a podcast called the hockey think tank. I had been given an assignment from my coach to listen to one particular episode that dealt with mental toughness and the importance of building resiliency. However, after that first episode, I found myself following up with more episodes by host, Topher Scott and Jeff Lavecchio. Most of the topics revolve around self-awareness, self-reflection, and how athletes' social skills and mental strength are a bigger part of the game than most people, most players realize. Listening to the various guest speakers talk about how they learned to self-evaluate and how important it was to be honest with themselves helped me realize that the game was not just about scoring goals and winning. It is about also building the mental toughness to self-evaluate and fix your faults to become a better you. It is not just for my athletics as I was able to start using the self-reflection tactics in other areas of my my life as well. Before taking exams in school, I could reflect on past exams or tests to better my scores and understanding of that topic. I really believe that because I listened to this podcast, I became a better athlete, student, and person because I was able to learn new skills to better myself. So what do you think, man? Dude, that's so powerful. Wow. If that's not a, what is your why thing for us? I don't know what is that. That's really cool. Really cool. I'm happy we're able to help people like that. That's awesome. And all the guests we bring on, obviously. Yeah, I think uh, and we say this all the time. We obviously provide our perspective, but we get floored by our guests that we're able to bring on all the time. And I actually had one of the coaches that I'm working with this year. He asked me that question, just like, you know, what do you feel like you get from the podcast? I was like, are you kidding me? I learn every time. <laughs> every guest that we bring on, I feel like I get better from hearing their stories or hearing their perspective, hearing their advice. And so we so appreciate all the people that we've been able to bring on um, in all different facets of the game and of life. And that was one of our goals from the beginning of starting this podcast was to bringing on uh, as diverse of a guest list as we can. So we can provide some insight from so many different avenues of, of this game and of life. And so the fact that we're able to make these kinds of impacts, um, it's just very, very, I don't know if rewarding is the right word, but it, I feel very grateful the fact that we still get to do this. And uh, so thank you to everybody that provides us, you know, these kinds of notes because we get them. And, and this one just was um, one that I wanted to share because it kind of struck a chord and, and tugged on the heartstrings a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's so cool. That That's my fuel, baby. That's my fuel <laughs> to uh, get on here at night after being in the gym all day in the off season and still want to do this stuff. That's uh, unbelievable and like you said like i literally have gotten so much better at life at coaching at evaluating myself others just so many things that i've learned from all of our guests and from you and from just talking things out with people all the time and 
yeah, lucky to do this and really cool to uh, get that message. Pretty, pretty awesome. Absolutely, man. So without further ado, you guys are going to love this one. This was, uh, uh, this, this conversation with gags kind of signifies and symbolizes that entire note that, that we just read. She is an amazing person an amazing coach and mentor. And so without further ado, here we go with Alyssa Gallardi. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast back... For round two, Alyssa Gallardi from beautiful Raleigh, North Carolina. She's got her Canes hat on, the Canes flag in the background, working for the Carolina Hurricanes. How are you doing down there today, Gags? Good, good. Glad to be back. Um, yeah, here at PNC Arena, kind of a little bit of a downtime here. Obviously, playoffs are done. The playoff run here is uh, ended a little early, but got uh, summer camps and all that good stuff coming up. So it'll be uh, great. Nice, nice. So you mentioned, uh, the, the, you know, the the Hurricanes there you work in and playoffs went a little, I think they had some good expectations this year, maybe fell a little bit short, but I still feel like things in Carolina are going pretty well and they've exceeded expectations in terms of where people thought they would be a couple of years ago. And it seems like it's just a really interesting culture that they have going down there with Rod Brindamore and his staff and stuff. So what, what are some of the things that you've seen kind of being around there every day and uh, being able to kind of rub shoulders with some of those guys and stuff? How's it been? Yeah, obviously, I guess this year was a little different with COVID, you know, not able to like be around too much, but, you know, you just begin to watch practices and the high tempo and the execution and the high, you know, they play, they practice with such a high pace. And obviously that's kind of the style of play they have as well. So, and yeah, it was awesome to see, you know, Brenda Moore, Slavin get credit, the credit they deserve and the recognition with the Jack Adams and the Lady Bing. So um, I think it's nice they're uh, getting some, some spotlight and recognition for, you know, the way the culture has been the last couple of years. Yeah. Can you, can we talk a little bit about Slavin though? Because the, I mean, he won the lady being award and the fact that he took one minor penalty this year as a shutdown defensive defenseman, but also that penalty was a delay of the game over <laughs> yeah. the glass penalty too. I mean, you were a defenseman in your day. Uh, how impressive is that? And like, you get the chance to watch them on a pretty regular basis. Like what is it about his game that allows him to be such a great shutdown defenseman, but not take any penalties? That's insane. Yeah. And he de- like, he just never takes himself out of play. I mean, obviously he's an elite skater. Um, he's got a long reach and, but just his positioning, like he always takes the perfect angle. He doesn't even really have to follow through and hit, you know, he just takes the puck. So it's just, it's phenomenal. I just, I love just watching him on a shift and kind of um, spotlight view on, uh, you know, what he does and the little things. And obviously he also puts up some points as well, but it's so impressive how he shuts down, uh, you know, the top lines of other teams night in and night out. And honestly looks so effortless and he plays 25 minutes a night. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. So talk a little bit about like the, you mentioned the angling because angling is something that is not talked about nearly enough in, in hockey today. Um, and you mentioned that he's really good on his angles, like as a defenseman for, for coaches and players that are playing D that are listening to this, what is it about his angling and why is it so important to him being a great defenseman? It's, I think it's just, 
you know, his stick positioning. So he takes away, he forces someone into an area that they don't really want to go, but then he can match their speed. And I think that's just, and obviously again, he has a long reach. He's got long legs and things like that. So he takes up a lot of space, but um, you know, before that puck's even getting close to him, he's already found the right kind of path to force someone into a bad spot and to ultimately shut them down. So I think he's just, you know, he sees it coming um, when it's an offensive zone still and is already kind of figuring out how to shut it down, come the blue line. That's awesome. So what are some other situations that you think for like coaches that might want to watch video or players that are looking into this? Like what are some situations on the ice specifically that he's really good at that in? Yeah, I think anytime there's someone, you know, coming up on, you know, through the neutral zone, he just, he finds a way to just, he doesn't really cross over speed ever. Right. He's just always those open hip pivots and um, stick position. He's really aggressive with the stick. Um, He's not just kind of stick on puck. Like he's forcing um, the puck off their stick and, yeah, I think just being able to, to shut him down and pin him to the boards. And when, you know, he wins these really small battles that you wouldn't think someone like him would, but he just somehow gets, gets out of these really tight spaces and transitions the puck the other way. Yeah. I, I, uh, I was in Vegas last week and got the chance to see game three Vegas and Montreal. I bet that was wild. It was wild. Yeah. Unfortunately, Montreal won. I mean, not that I would care who won or anything, but I wanted to see the crowd just like going crazy and they got taken out of it. I think they scored two goals in the first period, but I felt the same way about watching uh, Alex Petrangelo. Mm-hmm. It, it, like you, you understand and you know how good he is just from watching him, you know, play and stuff. But when you actually get into the arena and you can watch these guys play live, I mean, it just takes it to a whole different level. And it's all those little things that they do too. It's, it's the stick jams and it's the, you know, keeping people to the outside and it's just all these little hockey plays that they make. It just, I love, and I have an appreciation being a forward, but now coaching, I love watching defensemen like that, who just, it seems like they just always know how to make life difficult for the offensive player, but that doesn't mean physically beating them up like it yeah. used to when we were growing up, you know? Yeah, it's like just I'd be like, shocked if, like, you know, how, how many hits he even throws in a game. Like, they're very few and far between, and... Um, it's really just kind of angling off and, you know, stick check, maybe pin the guy to the boards. But, um, you know, if you talk about defenses, really just trying to get the puck back, back as quick as possible. Um, that's what he does. You know, he just finds a way to shut him down quick and get going the other way. Yeah. I feel like hard to play against is defined a lot differently now than it was back in the day, you know, back in the day being hard to physical, play against was yeah. physical, like they're going to put a physical punishing. Yeah. Yeah. And now I just feel like it's somebody that just takes away space. Mm-hmm. just have no room to breathe out there when you're playing against them. And, uh, you know, with the way that the speed of the game is and the less you can obstruct nowadays and, and the, the refs, I mean, they've had a bit of a tough playoffs <laughs> yeah, tough <go> here. <laughs> here this year, but the way that the game is being called and trying to take some of that stuff out of it. Um, I just feel like being tough to play against is defined in, in such a different way. Yeah. Like he's like, he didn't even take a hooking penalty. There was not even an accidental trip all season you know like it was a puck over the glass delay game so um yeah it's it's pretty phenomenal it's actually kind of hard to fathom that you know even just accidentally you know your stick gets caught in someone's foot or something but that's how dominant he is with his stick positioning and his footwork and his angling that he doesn't put himself in those situations totally Totally. And then how about Rod the Bod Brindamore? I mean, you've been around there for a little bit and I know I, I saw a picture, I think it might even be pinned on your Twitter of you when you were a little girl when he won the, uh, the, the, the Stanley Cup with Carolina way back in the day and you got a picture with him. Um, but how is his coming in? I mean, he just seems amazing. Like literally he seems like he is an amazing coach. So 
what is it about kind of the process that he has just in kind of being there? What, what makes it so special? I feel like he just lives it. Like even on a Tuesday night during the season, he's at the rink at his son's 10 U practice helping out, you know, he's pushing like another coach is running it, but he's out there helping in the middle of an NHL season, you know? So, um, I think he just, he, obviously he embodies it with his work ethic, you know, people talk about his training and things like that, but he's just so passionate and just so, I think just so authentic. I think he doesn't really, even during, you know, post-game interviews and things like that, he'll tell you what he thinks, you know, he doesn't just kind of give the cliche answer all the time. Um, and I think that's kind of a unique thing. And then I think just everyone kind of rallies around, like that's the identity of the organization. And, you know, that's who everyone really wants to embody. And obviously the players, you know, I think would run through a brick wall for him. And I think a lot of people on the staff would as well. Yeah. He, he was that kind of guy that I, I heard is saying that players should aspire to be first line players with the work ethic of third line players. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel, yeah. I feel like that's the embodiment and he was the same way. He was a first line player. He's going to be, I don't know if he's in the hall of fame or he's going to be. He should be. Yeah, he will yeah, be. Yeah. Um, but you know, Stanley cup captain played on, I don't I think he played in the Olympics or Canada cup teams or whatever it was back in the day. Uh, but he just always brought that mentality of, of just working. And, and we, we, um, George Guazdecki, who was, longtime head coach at Denver, but coached him at Michigan state when he was there. Um, he mentioned, you know, recruiting Rod Brindamore and the way, the reason why he loved them so much, obviously he could play and he was a really good player. But what he said was Brindamore was happier for his teammates when his teammates scored by his body language and how he reacted rather than when he scored. And he was like, for us, that's what put him over the top. And obviously that's what he's bringing to Carolina. And that's gotta be pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, you even see, I think there was a video clip the other day that right after he, they announced the Jack Adams winner, but he literally gave credit to everyone around him. Even with his new contract, it was like, I'll sign when you sign, you know, the rest of my staff. So it immediately goes right to other people, right? It's not, yeah, yeah, I'll take all the glory, right? He, he's very transparent that, hey, this is a team effort. I just, I'm at the front, but everyone's pulling to, to get to the same destination. Yeah, that was that was really cool when he did that. He's like, I'm not mm-hmm. signing until my you know, my guy yeah. signed. You don't see that very much anymore, do you? No, but then it's, you know, he, he knew he wanted, he wanted to stay, but it was like, Hey, I want all these other guys. We have a good thing going. We need all the people here, right? You can't just have just a good head coach. You need the good assistants, the video coaches, the doctors, the trainers. And that was important. So I think it was awesome that he did that. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. All right. Well, we got our Carolina, uh, part of the, uh, part of the equation out, but I, I do think it's awesome. Like, I really think it's really cool what they have going on. It's just different too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the NHL small is market known, team. Yeah. yeah so I do market, things a little differently. Yeah. But I, I think, I think it's awesome. And I'm very glad that, I, I mean, I don't think it was ever in question, but I'm very glad that he's back because mm-hmm. I could not imagine him somewhere else. Yeah. You too. So, um, but let's get into, uh, your social media posts that you put out there a couple weeks ago, because, um, like I, I, I saw it and I thought it was amazing. And I think, you know, so many people nowadays, they talk about holistic player development, but it, it's never really been defined. I think some people think of it differently. And, and a lot of times the word holistic, and I'm not even sure if that's what you were going for when you, when you wrote it, but you know, it just gets, the word kind of gets thrown around and nobody really knows what it means. It doesn't have a lot of bite to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but this, this image that you 
created uh, about a player athlete, I just thought was, was awesome. And it encompasses all that we should be doing as coaches to get the best out of our players. And for the players that are out there listening, I think it encompasses all the things that you need to focus on or think about if you do want to be a high level athlete or high level, whatever it is that you want to do. So before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of it, Gags, like what, has this been something that you've been working on for a while? Is it, was it a spur of the moment thing where you're like, I just want to kind of put something down on paper. Like where, where was the inspiration that this came from? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. And yeah, I definitely think holistic, right. It's a buzzword. It feels good to say, but again, it's not really, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how many people are really kind of taking it seriously. And I guess it was kind of, I guess threefold almost. So I do like a little mentorship program with a few um, kind of elite female players that are, you know, in high school and things like that, looking to play the next level. And rarely do we talk about on, like we go through some video clips and stuff, but really we're barely talking about on ice. We're talking about confidence. We'll t- we're talking about how can they recover from all these tournaments and stuff they're doing. We're talking about nutrition and drinking more water and, and all these other things that ultimately lead to, you know, they're already good athletes, but Hey, all these little things will make you better. Um, and then, you know, I also coach with a, a U19 AAA team, uh, the Junior Canes down here. And we're, we're lucky. We're kind of like a junior model for girls. So we practice four days a week. You know, they have two off-ice workouts. We have our own locker room. So we see them every day. So we can build in time for meetings and individual kind of development plans and things like that. So, um, but, you know, we're just at, we're trying to ask kids like, okay, we can talk about skills and on-ice team play and things like that all day. But like, how are you going to get to this next step in your goal? Like it's so much stuff away from the rink and away from putting on the skates and grabbing your stick that you need to be working on as well. So I think those are kind of where we're just having a lot of conversations, um, with, you know, fairly high level athletes that want to play college hockey and, and maybe beyond. And, um, and so much of the conversation just doesn't even revolve around, um, the specific on ice skills, of course, we're always trying to tweak technical and, and, you know, make improvements and reading the game and things like that. But, um, there's just such a big component that I think is away from the rank and creating good habits day in and day out that ultimately, again, they go to serve the, the athlete beyond their playing career as well. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's like, becoming a hockey player is not just about hockey stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so much more that goes into the developing of the person that leads to the development of the hockey player. And I think you captured that so incredibly well in this. I don't even know what it's called. What would you call it that you made? My, my doodle. Visual? I'm just, I'm glad people could read my handwriting. I'm like, Oh, I wonder if it's a little sloppy, but I just was like, yeah, whatever. I'll just kind of see what people think and go ahead and post it. I like it. I like it. Well, let's go through it a little bit here. And uh, I don't want to focus too much on the on ice stuff because literally, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine little thought bubbles along the the player athlete. And I'll put a picture of this up on social media. I'll retweet this again, Gags. Um, and there's only one that encompasses on ice skill. And so I don't even really think we need to talk about that there very much you, yeah, you have a lot through. of smart on ice skill people that have come on this i think uh, <laughs> including you that, including that, you yeah. <laughs> um but you talk about technical versus movement you talk about the tactical and ap- application of it and the team play and how those three are kind of like the you know the foundations of the on ice skill that that we need to uh focus on with the players but then some of these other things i think are, are just awesome and the first one that i wanted to talk to you about was goal setting because mm. it is 
one of the most important things that we can do as coaches with our players, but very few of us actually do it. And then very few of us through that, that do it actually, I think really invest into doing it. I don't want to say the right way because there's not a right way or a wrong way, but in a way that can maybe get the most out of, out of the players. So the two kind of prongs that you talked about in terms of goal setting was a short, short-term goals and long-term goals. Can you, can you talk a little bit about why you think having both of those are important and, and then maybe we can have a conversation about what they mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there's, there's probably other subsets too that people might think of. Um, but I think just with the, the goal setting, you know, yeah, you sit down with a player. Okay, what's your goal? You know, what, where do you want to be? What's your goal with hockey? Okay, most are play college hockey, whether it's D1 or D3 level. Well, okay, how are you going to get there? You know, and then one thing we're starting to ask, we're just asking more of what would prevent you from getting there? You know, like what challenges or obstacles might prevent you from reaching that? Um, I think that's of, so important. I do. Yeah, like, I think that's incredible. That. It, yeah. it, I, I can't agree with you more because like there is so many distractions. There's so many temptations um, and just the way that the world is with social media and, and how kids are growing up nowadays. So much, um, so much of their, their validity and so much of the things that are coming in are from external forces where like, th- I love the fact that you said that. I just, sorry, I, I kind of cut you off. There, no, I, just, I, yeah, I think it, it makes, it makes you feel better that you agree. Um, but I think too, <laughs> like getting kids to realize like it's, it's there that you kind of control your destiny to an extent, right? Like, um, you know, for example, oh, so your guy, your boy, uh, Ryan Hardy, I heard him on another podcast. Um, and I think he was talking about like, as coach, we can be like, basically the Sherpas, like we can give you like all the resources, we can give you all the video, all these things, but it's up to you to get to the top of the mountain. Like we can provide the environment, we can provide the resources, but like the kids are the, the players have to put in the work. And so I think it kind of gives kids ownership to recognize, Hey, yeah, here's kind of external factors that could get in my way. Like they need to be aware of it. Cause I, I just think so many of the conversations, like I want to play college hockey. Okay. I need to become a better skater. Well, also you need to develop, you know, all these different habits and it's not just as easy as, Hey, I'll, I'll just become better at this one thing and I'll reach my goal. Even things like walking kids through how to send an email to a college coach, like, to, like all your kids, all your athletes are so lucky to have you to literally help them with that process. Cause you've been there. But so I think obviously having that long-term goal, but you say kid, the kid's a sophomore, right? They have a little bit of time before they're going to get there. So then in terms, terms of the short term, you know, what can we look at in the next three months? What can we look at in six? You know, how can you kind of work backwards to say, what, what can you do this week? You know, hey, you need to work on, you know, escapes with a puck. Okay, well, what can you do in practice this week to make that a focus and, and kind of making that we, we talk, I think you guys have talked about this too, but you know, getting 1% better every single day. Um, that's something I just, that always like gets me going. Like that is, it sounds so simple, but that's something I did with my playing career and things like that. And I just feel like, again, trying to make that long-term goal, not so daunting. Like there's things you can control today. You can stretch for 10 minutes while you're watching your favorite show. You can drink an extra bottle full of water. You know, there's all these little things and it's kind of getting them to one, realize it. And two, like, Hey, you got to stick with it. You know, you can't just do it one day and expect to see results. Like those simple things add up over time and, um, and ultimately kind of help them then get to that next step and okay, what can we reassess and set a new goal, um, to get you a little closer to your long-term goal. 
That's so true. And it's funny you, you talk about it like this because I, uh, when I do my goal setting with my players, like I try to make it as concrete as possible mm-hmm. where, and, and I, it, I make kind of fun of it in, in, in a bit of a way because they'll say, okay, what do you want to do? Okay. Then let's break it down. What do we need to do every day? Mm-hmm. And then, so they'll give that and I'll be like, okay, what time? <laughs> like you, you gotta break it down yeah. because like the more concrete you get with the goal setting process and the more you like make it and put it into the schedule, I feel like the the more the kids are going to actually do it. Like if it's just like, it's got to be so intentional and so Mm -hmm. black and white. Do you agree? Like, is that something that you think is really important too? Yeah. And I think you you have to, I don't say spell it out, but almost right. Like, yeah. And again, I think it's, if, if the kids are that are, are motivated enough, they'll find a way. And if they find excuse, then it's like, okay, maybe this isn't really your goal. You know, um, if, Hey, you could have, worked on these three things, but you didn't like what, like what's stopping you. Right. And then, and then that's where I'm sure we'll maybe get to it, but sometimes you talk to, and it's just confident. They're scared. They're fear of failure, you know? And, and then, okay, well, that's a whole nother thing. Right. So then you, you got to set goals for something else, but yeah, I think that's really where the goal setting, I think you have to be specific. You have to really break it down and, and then also see that, Hey, it's tangible. Like you can get, you got to do these little things, but they're usually not, you know, you're not trying to eat a whole elephant at once. Just, Hey, what can we break down? What can we work on today, this week, this month? And then we'll reassess and go from there. And it's just getting kids to realize it's a process and and loving that part of it. I feel like goal setting can also help to like de-stress the player development process too, because it gives, like you said, it gives you tangible things that you need to work on. And now like, it's not just like this huge gulf of that long-term goal of like, okay, I'm here right now. And then I see myself, playing college hockey or playing mm-hmm. professional hockey. It's like, okay, now we can, we can zone in a little bit and we can focus on the moment, which is the hardest thing in the freaking world to do, but it gives us that, that kind of like check-in like every day that, okay, I got to just, I got to make sure what I'm doing today, but it's really hard because like you said, I mean, the gains are are so minimal <laughs> that that consistency, but that goal setting, that's what it gives, right? It gives that consistency and and that little roadmap of every day where you can follow and that plan to, to make sure that you're getting there at the end. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think like you said, just it's, it's gotta be intentional. And I think too, like even those little things, I'm sure you, for sure you and Jeff have talked about this and he's posted about it, but like doing those little things that other people aren't willing to do is what makes the difference. Like a lot of people aren't willing to spend 10 minutes stretching a day, but you be like, if you're willing to do it, like that gives you a leg up. A lot of people aren't willing to just add a few extra vegetables into their diet. But if you do it every day, like, again, it adds up over time. And so I think obviously it takes, like you said, it takes time to see those results. Like everyone wants instant gratification, but I think if, you know, you talk about enough of like, Hey, you're not going to get instant gratification, but you know, we're all in it for the long term. So just kind of buying into that and, and reminding kids of that too, that, Hey, you might not see it now, but like you're making strides, you know, you're getting better at this. We see improvements in that. And, um, and just that constant communication with them as well and reinforcement. Yeah. I, I don't think you can stress that enough. Like kids, you're not going to see results right away and that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. It takes a long time of doing the right things on a consistent every, everyday basis to, to see any sort of minimal results. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, but that's hard. Like that's hard. Yeah. We live in a world that really, um, emphasizes and, and in certain ways rewards the here and now and mm-hmm. instant gratification. But, um, 
yeah, it's, uh, it's something that like, I love that you said that. And I, I do, I do, I don't think that can be stressed enough. Like it's okay if you don't see results right away even yeah. a year, you know, and if your goal is to play college hockey and you're 14 years old, if you don't, you know, speak to a school until you're 18, like that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, like reminding kids, everyone's path is different too. Like it's so easy to fall into the comparing yourself to the kid in Chicago or the kid in New York, you know, or, Hey, I heard this kid did this you know, it's just like, that's a different path. Um, so it, it's hard to, you know, I, I get that that we've all been through it where you kind of feel in, in that moment. But, um, and I think too, like, even as a coach, like, re- like recognizing when they do make a little improvement, you know, like get that little like catch of like, Hey, that, that that's, even if you didn't get it, Hey, that's it though. Right. Like, or, Hey, like, you know, that's so out, you know, you've been, you know, clean up your diet, whatever it is. Um, you know, you've been doing extra sprints, all these different things. Like that's awesome. And recognizing it rather than just being like, Oh yeah, good job. You know, but like pumping them up a little bit, I think with that also helps be like, okay, yeah, this is working. You know, I'll stick with it. I'll stick with it Versus, I don't know. No one's really noticing. I don't notice an improvement. And so I think kind of having that, um, focus as well as coaches of, you know, making sure you recognize those efforts, even if they're not quite paying off yet. I love that. Totally. Being intentional as a coach. So intentional with the goal setting, intentional in your, your praising of it too. (laughs) Good stuff. All right. Well, let's, let's move on to the next one. The next one I want to talk about uh, right on the other side of, of goal setting is mental skills. And uh, again, very underappreciated, very important um, piece to the development of a player. And one of the the tree limbs that you have on there that I really wanted to talk about with you is identity. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been talking about identity a lot lately, and I've been looking into it a lot, not just from a team standpoint, which is really important. I mean, okay, let's talk about team identity. The Hurricanes are a perfect example of how team identity works and Mm -hmm. how incredibly important it is. And they've really taken on this like different, like we're just going to be different. We're going to do things differently and that's okay. And that starts with our owner all the way to our head coach. And then, you know, all the way down, um, just talk about, maybe let's talk about from a team identity standpoint, how important that is. And you played for some incredible teams, national team, your teams at Cornell, you know, went to the frozen four, like what is identity to you from a team side of things? Uh, I mean, I think I, it's just that thing you always fall back on, you know, like when that, and you know, I look back at last year, actually the team we had, like, I feel like we lack that. So we're making a, you know, obviously a big focus, but I look at in college, you know, I know you guys had, you know, stuff in the, the men's locker room at Cornell, but ours right above the stick rack. We're the hardest working and most unified team in college hockey. You see it every, you know, you grab your stick and you see that every single day. And, and that's like the identity you have. And when times get tough, that's what you fall back on, right? A game's not going your way or games are going great, right? But hey, this is our identity. We stick with it. We stick with it. And I think, you know, having something simple like that of some, you know, you know, we're going to be the hardest team to play against. Something that people can kind of rally around. Obviously, everyone's got their own identity within that. But as a group, hey, this is, you know, this is how we, we commit to showing up every single day on and off the ice. Um, I think that's really kind of the, the team identity aspect that is so important. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's simple. And, Mm -hmm. but it's also, it's just like, I think we were successful at Cornell and you guys the same way is because like, if you, if you ask somebody else in college hockey, what Cornell hockey was like, they would know. Mm-hmm. they would know what that means yeah and it had to change at times and and I think when we weren't as successful we actually had an identity problem we were mm-hmm. maybe not 
we were changing with the times, but also we needed to stick true. And I think the best coaches are the ones that are able to adapt a little bit, but also stick true to the values. Have that core, yeah. Yeah, right. And and so identity is not a finite thing. It it is a little bit malleable, but at the end of the day, you have to know who you are to to be able to to be successful. Um, from an individual standpoint, though, too, why do you think identity is so important when it comes to the individual growth of of a player? So I, I think I put that one on there. So that book, you, I'm sure you've read it. That book, Hockey Tough by Saul Miller. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would read that book before every since I was like 14. That was like my preseason <laughs> ritual, you know. But I think it was just something, and I try and tell all the kids I coach, like, invest in this area because you have to know who you are as a player and a person, right? Like, but if we're talking specifically to to hockey, you know, like what are your three strengths as a player? Like, what do you bring day in and day out? And asking kids that, and some kids know right away. Some kids are like, well, they, you know, they kind of hem and haw and come up with something, but it wasn't like, like, I want to know when you come, you know, we start in August, like, what are those three things you're going to bring day in and day? Like, what's your identity as a teammate, as a player? Um, What do you, you know, what are those three strengths that you feel help our team achieve, you know, the goals, but also your own goals too. Um, and obviously it can evolve and, and you kind of tell kids that, right. You're not stuck with this. Um, you know, maybe you want to be more of an offensive defenseman, like, okay, that'll come, but and, and start telling yourself that now, right. Like tell yourself you're an offensive defenseman, you read the play. Well, you jump up in the rush at the right times. Um, and I think that's just so important, um, as a player and athlete in general is just that, uh, confidence and kind of self-talk to yourself about who you are, um, and what you bring day in and day out. So you, you think identity is something that can really breed confidence? I think so. Yeah. I, and, and so some of this came from one of the, the kids I coach, you know, we were having some skill and she just made a bad play. I kind of made a joke like, Oh, a nice pass up the middle kind of thing. And she kind of like, and I was like, Hey, you know, I'm kidding. Right. Cause we kind of have a, you know, joking relationship, but you pull her off to the side and you realize, show oh, she just, she's like, I'm just really struggling. I I'm, I'm not confident after I went to the showcase, like I'm nervous. I'm letting my parents down, you know, all these different, it was like, Oh, okay. Like that's a much bigger thing. And so it's trying to work. Okay. Hey, we got to figure out, like, let's get you back on track. And I think a lot of it comes with, Hey, what are your strengths as a player? What do you bring as a teammate and falling back on those things and, and taking pride in them, I think is really the biggest part of identity. Yeah. And the strengths and the identity kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we want to play to our strengths and with that comes, comes our identity and, and everybody has a different one mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. And, uh, I know as a player, there were times where I was kind of trying to be somebody that I wasn't. Um, I know as a leader, there's been some times where I was kind of trying to be somebody that I wasn't. And then I, and I think that's where coaching can come in so well. And especially the personal relationship side of coaching is, I think you said the it best, it's like bringing people back mm-hmm. to- you are. And I think when you do that and you understand who you are and you play to your strengths, and those are the things that you think about, it can really breed a confidence that allows you to really reach your full potential. Yeah. And I think again, when times get to like, what do you fall back on? Or what are you telling yourself before games? It should be kind of, you know, like this is who I am and just resetting between shifts. Um, there's always going to be those ups and downs, but who, what can you kind of come back to is, Hey, I know, I, I know I do this well. And again, to your point, like it has to be authentic. It has to fit in with with who they are as a player, you can't be a you know, fourth line player and say, I'm going to be, you know, the superstar that toe drags and does all these crazy things and scores a goal. But Hey, I have four check card, you know, I pressure the puck. I create turnovers. I'm the hardest working player on the ice. Kind of all those things that 
Um, again, they're just things that I think you got to really work with players on falling back on um, as a source of strength or, you know, what's a long season. Um, there's going to be those ups and downs every year. <laughs> yeah. There's always those dog days every year. There's yeah. the, ups and the downs and they're so frustrating and so amazing all at the same time. Yeah. Um, so how does the growth mindset part of this, um, kind of fit in with everything that we're talking about with the mental skills right now, we talked about confidence. We talked about dealing with adversity and pressure, identity mindset. Um, what a growth mindset, again, I feel like that's another one that so many people talk about, but there's not a lot of substance that goes with it. It's like coaches tell kids, Hey, you have to have a growth mindset. And then that's like the end of the conversation. So what is growth mindset to you? And how does that relate to being able to really flourish under these other mental skills that we just talked about? I I mean, my biggest like pet peeve as a coach is when the kid says, I suck at this. Like, (laughs) no, you're just, you're working on it. You know, like I just, I, and, that, and to me, that's growth mindset, right? It's just, hey, maybe you're not good at it yet, but we're going to work toward, you know, we're working on it. And I think, you know, you can talk about it and you can tell the kids that and work with them on it, but like coaches have to embody it too. So we try and be very transparent about, hey, like we're working on getting better at this as coaches. Hey, I'm trying to, you know, be a better communicator in this area, you know? So I think one, you have to embody it too. Um, but I think just working with kids on, Hey, like there's always, you're always getting better at something. Um, and then again, that's really something to me that, you know, on the ice, but really off the ice, right? Like, Hey, you you say you suck at math. You don't say you just need to put more work in, you know, like, and so I think just looking at it from that perspective, I really see the off ice value just as much or more so than, you know, improving as a, as a hockey player, but Um, I think just it it takes that instilling of, hey, I'm not good at this yet. You know, I'm working on this. I will be better at it. Um, And just really instilling that with with everything, not just a certain skill. Yeah, it's almost like how you frame your setbacks. Mm -hmm. Is it is it this thing that's just always going to be this way? Or is it this thing that I could potentially, if I put my mind and effort into it, I can do something that I didn't think I could do before. Mm-hmm. And and I myself am very guilty, as are a lot of people, of just the negative self-talk. <laughs> and and I think a lot of that has to go with having a fixed mindset. And I think, you know, at times people think it can motivate us, you know, like the negative self-talk to, okay, I got to be better. I got to be better. But at, at the same time, it's a, it's a detriment. And I, yeah, just the growth mindset of always it's almost like hope it's almost like there's a hope aspect that that like nothing yeah. is finite and I, I if I put my mind to it like I can accomplish something that maybe I shouldn't yeah and it's <laughs> like point. it always goes like okay what can you control right okay one of the kids I didn't make national camp well, okay not the end of the world right a bummer but not the end of the world and okay what can you like use it as you can either use it or it'll use you right like that old it just you can either use it as motivation or you can just like sulk and feel bad for yourself but like that's not going to help you so it's kind of obviously you want to be a little bit more gracious probably when you say that to a kid that, <laughs> that isn't like in the, the best frame of mind but um yeah I think just highlighting like okay you know acknowledge that it sucks but then what are you going to do to get that like what do you feel like why didn't you make it you know and then what can we do to to get you to that next step yeah, I had I had a uh, a squirt double A coach who said your 
either getting better or you're getting worse. Mm-hmm. Like nothing is fine. Like what you're saying, it's not fixed. Like it's yeah. not finite. Like if you choose to do your hundred pushups before going to bed, you're going to get better and stronger. If you don't, then you're not, <laughs> you're getting worse. Yeah. And it, it just stuck with me. And it was always a, a saying that um, now it's kind of coming full circle talking about this growth mindset right now is that like, there's always room to improve always. Like if you put your work into something, you're going to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't, you, you are not. And, and, uh, it's funny. I had a conversation with some parents on my team yesterday and they were talking about, well, is it a disadvantage if you don't do X, Y, or Z? And I was like, well, it's not really a disadvantage if you don't, but it certainly isn't an advantage if you don't do it. Yeah. You know, like if you're going to put in the work, you're, you're going to get better. And, and so, I just think if, if more kids had that mindset and they treated themselves in a way in their self-talk where, hey, maybe things aren't the best right now, or maybe I'm struggling at a certain skill, there's still, it's almost like a good thing. There's a lot of room to improve. Imagine how much better I will exactly. be. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's really reframing it, right? Like it's just not looking at it as like, oh, I'll never be good at something. It's like, well, you will if you put work into it and ask for help or, you know, like put extra focus on whatever and um, yeah, I think just, again, I, I look at that benefit as it's going to help that if you can instill that through sports, then that helps exponentially and whatever they end up doing down the road. For sure. Love it. Uh, okay. Let's move on. Uh, next one, social and relationships. Huh. <laughs> Probably the most important thing on here, like legitimately, uh, mm-hmm. we've talked about and we've talked about like you are the people you surround yourself with for the good or the bad. And so, you know, you had a couple things, you had family, that was a limb, you had friends, a limb, you have coaches, that's a limb and you have hobbies. That's a limb off of, uh, off of this one. And uh, the one I wanted to ask you first about was family. Mm-hmm. And I think family could be the best advocates for kids in their development, but they can also be the biggest detriments to kids in their element and I, it was funny, I was having this conversation with somebody literally today about, because he was telling me how a parent, there was a parent of a kid who plays mite hockey, novice hockey, that before the games would have a whiteboard out and like scribbling notes about what the kid should be doing at seven years old. And, and so I asked myself, okay, like that's obviously crazy. <laughs> but so the, the question I posed to him was like, do you think that this person means well, or mm-hmm. do you think this person is legitimately like an asshole who is only about his kid getting to the NHL? And he was like, I actually think the parent means well. And I think that's where a lot of crazy parents are at. Certainly there's some crazies for some bad reasons, but also I think there's a lot of parents that are just willing to go to the ends of the earth for their kids, but are not necessarily educated in the stuff that we're talking about right now to help them to get to that point. And I'm sure there's a lot of parents that are listening to this in the car right now that are probably like, Oh God, is that me? I don't know. But what, like, what would you say to that in terms of like, just in your interactions and and everything that you've seen regarding families and and how that can translate into the development of a kid? Oh yeah. I mean, it's obviously a, the biggest factor, right? The, the families are the ones making the investment. They're getting to the rink every day. So obviously you need that, that support. And I do think most parents that do that come from a good place, right? They just want to help. Maybe they're newer to coach, like, or they do have background, but again, they're maybe trying to jump ahead. You know, you're talking maybe more like stuff you should be doing at 13, 14 versus seven, eight year olds. Like, right. It's not a, just a, a mini teenager, mini NHL yeah, yeah. player. Um, 
so I think it, it typically comes from a good, good spot, but you know, from, I mean, I look back at my experience. I was, my parents, neither of them knew anything about hockey. We were going in blind. And I think that was like the best thing that could have happened because they just, did you have fun? Did you work hard? You know, like that was it. It was never, we never got into the X's and O's and still don't, you know, throughout my entire career, never really did. Um, so I think just, I mean, the biggest thing I think is just family, just, just support. Obviously you want to make sure they have good coaches and that they're learning and that they're having fun. Um, but I think, you know, especially at those younger ages, like, you know, again, we, we did this girls program here for, you know, girls six to 12. We said, Oh, Hey, we're going to scrimmage. And some kids are like, no, we want to play sharks and minnow. You know, they don't even care about playing, you know? So it's just like, <laughs> we just want them to have fun. So I think it, it depends on the age, but yeah, I think just realize what age you're talking about, realize that it's just fun. You know, you can teach them small things, but you don't need to be drawing up plays on a whiteboard. Um, and again, I think at that age and those kinds of things, like talk about the, the, the teamwork aspects. How can we work together? What skills did we work on in practice that we can, you know, use in the game? And um, just trying to make more some of those connections in a supportive way versus trying to teach X's and O's on a half ice three on three. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, I would always encourage parents to like, ask a lot of questions, mm-hmm. you know, like get, if you want to engage with your kid, ask questions and see where their frame of mind is at rather than like always telling them. And, and I'm a young parent, like my, my girls are four and almost two. And I, I find myself doing that. And my wife and I talked about it the other day, like, feel like we're instructing too much, you know, like, no, don't do that. No. Like and some of it is for their <laughs> safety. Yeah. <laughs> it's a balance, right? Like, <laughs> you know, can't just let them run wild. Yeah. But I, I do like, I think the more parents can ask questions, engaging with their kids rather than instructing. I, I just think that's really healthy and it can give you a little bit more insight into your kid. And maybe, maybe you find out within those conversations that, Hey, maybe, maybe I can push my kid a little bit more. Maybe my kid is looking for mm-hmm. it to be a little bit tougher and my kid can handle X, Y, or Z, whether it's coming from you as a parent or maybe a harder coach or, or whatever, or maybe you understand with your conversations that, Hey, my kid's not really into this thing, hockey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and I think coaches kids... can do that too, right? Like yeah, it's true. coaches, we should uh, try to make a much more conscious. I've just asked like open-ended questions. And just, you know, obviously you can do it like on the ice, like, Hey, what'd you see there? What do you, what could you have done? But even off, like, how, you know, how can we make this better? What do you think about this? And, and, or yeah, like how, how do you like to be coached? You know, some kids love being like, they're like, yeah, you can yell at us more, all these things. And I'm like, well, that's not, you know, not really kind of who I am as a coach per se, but you know, it just, it gives you some insight into to kind of how they thrive. And I think definitely parents and, and coaches alike should be um, asking that and always re always assessing kind of like the self-awareness of what balance do you kind of have in that moment? Yeah. And yeah, for sure. And then like, just, just you get so much insight, right? You get mm-hmm. so much insight into, into what your kid wants out of their experience of, of yeah. hockey. And, and there might be times where as a, we all know how expensive AAA hockey is at, at the younger levels. And then if you get to junior hockey, it's even more expensive if you're playing in some of the lower leagues and, and, and as a parent, it could be a good conversation to have. It's like, Hey, how bad do you want this? Yeah. maybe they're I'm, just like, I'm yeah. investing part of my retirement into <laughs> you achieving this goal. And I'm sacrificing a lot mm-hmm. for you to be able to do this. So if this is something that you want to do, let's do it. Like, but I, like, I gotta know, you know, mm-hmm. if this is something that you're just kind of casually doing just because of whatever, you know, then, then let's have a different conversation because I don't know if I can, 
I can do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. And then having that conversation at like the appropriate age and, yeah. you know, things like yeah, that. Not at is, seven. Yeah. Like, yeah. A little like kid. I don't know. I just like to skate, you know? So, um, yeah, no, I think that's just so important. And all, like everything you talk about in this, you know, it always comes back to like communication. You know, I think so that's true. what everything comes back to. Um, but yeah, I think it just comes with asking those questions and having the conversation and not just assuming I should do this or assuming I should do that. Um, it's kind of really making sure you're aligned on, you know, what the, what the goals are. Yeah. Like problems are not problems. Problems are just people miscommunicating things. Yeah. (laughs) That's typically how it goes. Right. (laughs) Um, how about the next one? Friends. Okay. You have friends on here. How, how incredibly important do you think friends are to achieving your hopes and dreams? Um, I mean, I would say that's actually probably the biggest just because I think, kids are probably more influenced by their friends than, than family. Um, especially when it comes to, you know, probably that middle school, teenage, you know, high school age group, um, in terms of, you know, what you're doing, you're away from the rink or, you know, just again, or just having friends that support your goals. Like maybe you're not doing the social things, but they're so happy that you, you know, you have a game that weekend. And, um, and I think probably as kids get older, right. Their friend group shrinks to be more sports specific, like, especially if you're into it. But I think there's that kind of window where you do kind of have to make that choice a little bit of, you know, if you're serious about the sport or you want to keep pursuing it um, as making, Hey, like, again, it kind of goes back to what are your goals and what could prevent you from getting there is like actually looking at that of like, Hey, this friend group isn't actually that supportive of where I'm trying to get to. So I might need to rethink that. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's how many people have you seen in your career who just chose the wrong friends Mm -hmm. or chose the right friends, I guess go both ways, but, and it just had such an immense impact on their, not just their careers and what they wanted to do like professionally, but just their mental health and well being in their, in their lives. So when I go around and I do my team building um, and I do them of, of all ages, pros all the way down to youth. But when I do them with the youth, especially like the band of midget level, um, you know, I, I, I asked the kids, I say, okay, here, if you put me in a room with your five best friends, I will be able to tell you with almost a hundred percent certainty, if you're going to be able to reach your hopes and dreams or not, mm-hmm. like seriously. And, and that's like one of those like examples that just like forces you to think, you know? And I think it's, it's great to like tell, tell kids that of really like most ages, um, obviously age appropriate, but like, it, it's something to be aware of. Like they have to have that awareness and acknowledge, like, are these people going to help me get to where I want to go? Yeah. And, uh, some will help you and some will drag you down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I would imagine most, most high level athletes at some point had to lose a friend or two because they were going down a, a different path and there's nothing wrong with people choosing different paths or whatever. But if you're really dedicated to what you want to do, then you have to have people in your corner that number one, support you and love you for, for who you are. But I think the second part of that is you have to have people around you and your friends group that are okay with you telling them, no, Mm -hmm. you know, like, no, I can't do that. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Not that making you feel bad about it or something, you know, exactly. Oh, like you don't want to do this or go to this party or, you know, inhale this or whatever. Like, no, I don't. And then mm. if you have a friend that's like, okay, I respect that. Then I think that's, 
very admirable of that person and, and yeah. you th- rethink them have about having them in your friend group. But if it's a person that continues to, to peer pressure you and, and, you know, calls you out and starts making fun of you for not doing something that's getting in the way of, or that will get in the way of you achieving your dreams, then that's somebody you got to really think about, Hey, is this person somebody I need to have around? Yeah. And, I, and then ask me yourself, what kind of friend you are, right? Like, are you, you know, are you the person that makes someone feel bad if they're, Hey, maybe they're going to do an extra workout and you're like, Oh, you're try hard, you know, or are you the person who's like, Hey, that's awesome. I'll join you. You know, I think it's also kind of reflecting on like, what kind of friend are you as well? Not only kind of who, who do you have in your circle? Like who would put you in theirs? I like that. That's a good point. I'm going to have to steal that. I will give you credit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The next one that I, I think is cool to have on here when it comes to social relationships is hobbies. Um, so what did you mean by that and kind of explain how hobbies can be a big part of your development as it relates to just your social relationships and your development? Yeah, I think some of it's just having something away from the rink or, you know, your given sport. Um, even if it's something casual, like sometimes we ask kids, what do you, what do you like to do? I I just play hockey. Do you like to read, write, listen to music? No, I just play, you know, it's like, okay, well we gotta like, we gotta find you something that you like to do because it can't just be sport, 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 right? You'll one, get burned out and two, that's just not an enjoyable way <laughs> to live. Um, so I think just actually like have, you know, actually kind of a fun little thing. Like I just got a text from one of our players that a couple of them went rock climbing, you know, they went to the local gym, go rock climbing as a little group and Hey, that's awesome. Like, it's a great way to be active. It's something different away from the rink. And I know I was kind of go back to two, like having something, always kind of tying it back to like that, like problems like what can you do that's like working on your problem solving skills um and you know it kind of goes back I guess it really ties into everything right the growth mindset and always trying to find a solution or finding a way but you know what can you work on that um is kind of also challenging you to to solve problems about something you're passionate about um or just kind of dig in deeper of something that you know some kids might just love like hey I want to like just perfect example of um, you know, like being so into the training, right? Like even as a player, he was so into the training and, and obviously became his, his kind of career and profession after playing. So I think that's just awesome to have that something away from the rink that you're just so passionate about. Yeah, it's so true. We don't have to talk about Jeff on this one. Just, uh, you know. <laughs> Leave him out of it. <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 he's dead to us right now. Um, but no, that's such, well, we had Duncan Fletcher who does some work with the NHLPA uh, on the podcast a million years ago. And that was one of the things he's done a lot of studies with the PA. And even when players are playing in the NHL, if they have other interests and hobbies while they're playing, it actually leads to being a better player. Mm-hmm. And like even Sidney Crosby, we all think of Sidney Crosby as this guy that's dialed in 24 seven. I mean, no, like he's not. Yeah. He plays <laughs> he tennis all the time. Yeah. Like exactly. And I think a, a really good story that I heard, um, was about Braden point, which is, you know, on top of mind right now with the playoff that he's freaking having right now. And, uh, so one of his teammates that he played with in the HL before he got up to, to Tampa Bay was telling me about how, like, he's the kind of guy that like, if, if the meeting is at five o'clock, he'll be there at four fifty nine. Mm-hmm. You know, or if practice starts at 10, he's going to be there at nine. He like, he's on the ice at nine 59, which most of us would say, okay, that like, he's lazy or he doesn't really care whatever. And, but he was like, it's not like that at nine 59, he's dialed in. 
he is a hundred percent dialed in and he is there and that's all he's focusing on. And he's working as hard as he can for the amount of time that he needs to be there. And then when that's over, like he goes on to other things. And, and I feel like we live in this culture that, that celebrates overwork, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> which, which don't get me wrong. Okay. Like people who work harder than other people are going to succeed for the most part, but at the same time, it's not necessarily the quantity of work. It's the quality of work. So you take Braden point, for example, who goes a hundred percent for an hour a day, mm-hmm. or let's say an hour and a half, two hours a day versus somebody that's at the rink 50% for four hours a day. Like give me Braden point any day of the week. It's the yeah. quality of what they're being there. And I think, um, I don't know how, the, how we got here to this story, but it just kind of ties in that like, it's not just all about hockey a hundred percent of the time, all the time. You have to have other things, you have to have mm-hmm. other interests and it'll allow you to be better. Yeah. And I think it goes, I mean, it goes back to the bigger conversation of more is not always better, especially when it comes to playing one sport, 12 months a year. Right. Yeah. Like I think that's like a little microcosm of, Hey, every kid needs to have something that they have as an outlet even. And, and it can be a creative thing. It can be another sport. It could be whatever it may be, but um, you know, there's just gotta be kind of something that you, you like to work on and pursue, um, away from the rink, even if it's very casually or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. And I've had a lot of conversations with youth hockey directors exactly about this, where, you know, youth hockey is so competitive and, you know, in a place like Chicago, especially kids can be on the ice all the time. There's so many coaches, there's so many camps, there's so many clinics and so many people think more, the more, the better. Well, mm-hmm. if I can be on the ice seven days a week, I'm that, that's going to be great. But like yeah. physiologically and emotionally and mentally, that's just not the case. There has to be a balance. So for a lot of these youth organizations, the, the, the issue and the problems that they're running into um, when it comes to, you know, um, having people around their place is like, okay, if I don't offer seven days a week, then our people are going to go somewhere else and mm-hmm. just get that. So it's about educating the parents, especially that, you know, more isn't necessarily better. And there has to be this sense of balance in these kids' lives. So they don't burn out, they don't get hurt. And they're eventually like, they will be worse hockey players, which is the goal that you're trying to do yeah. by going seven days a week, but it's counterintuitive. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And even like with our girls, U19 program, again, we're lucky. We, we see them four days a week. We can, we have our own locker room so we can build in all this stuff, but you know, outside of like sports psychology and, you know, our nutrition talk, but you know, like a basic finance or like an EMT, we're going to have someone come in and teach EMT and, you know, just basic awesome. CPR. So I think just, you know, we talk about, you know, we can't just say we got to do it and and build that into the schedule, but it's something I'm most excited about is what else can we get kids interested in? You know, like, and again, it all helps them. It all kind of ties back into hockey, but it really just helps them for, for down the road. And again, that's really what, what we're trying to do. And, um, do I care if we win a national championship? Not really to be honest, you know, like I'd rather these kids get to go to the schools they want to go to. And I think that, you know, whatever results come with itself, but I think if we can empower and give them these resources to, to take the next step, to feel confident, to, you know, find this, you know, side hobby that they, they just are so passionate about. Um, you know, why wouldn't we? So what's yours? I really liked photography for a while. Ooh, that was like high school. Um, I don't know. I like reading obviously now and things like that, but I got into rock climbing a little recently. Okay. So I'm not very good, <laughs> but it's uh, just something fun and different to do. So. Awesome. I like that. I think that's good for people who are kind of 
all in on something. Like, I think that could be a great thing, but it can also be very stressful. Mm-hmm. And for people who are kind of like perfectionists, you know, it's yeah. important for those people to engage in other things because you have to be able to disconnect. I'm, I, for one, I'm terrible at it. And yeah. Oh yeah. So, you know, it's just for, again, for mental health, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you have to forget about what we're talking about. Like just mental health wise, you got to be able to, to disconnect and recharge and have, yeah. A- and it's funny. It's one of those things you always feel better after you do it, <laughs> but know, it's like, Oh, I feel like, you know, again, I'm going to be falling behind, you know, it's just, I, I guess it's human nature. Um, oh, or, you oh, know, oh. certain type of personality, but yeah, you feel like, Oh, if I don't watch this coaching webinar, Oh no, I'm going to miss something groundbreaking, you know? And it's like, yeah, no, I should actually just go for a walk outside, you oh, know? <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. So. Wife's a big walker. She's trying to get me. Into yeah. It. Still hasn't 10 years later, but oh, there you go. Maybe we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> just need the right, right weather. <laughs> uh, well in Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Lucky sunshine. Um, okay. Moving on to the next thing. And this is one that I, I think is awesome. Uh, learning styles, uh, investing in how a kid learns and how they can get the best out of like what the information that they're given. And, you know, I know Adam Nicholas, who we've had on here, who, you know, he talks a lot about this kind of stuff. Dale Belfry, who we had Ryan Hardy, you know, all of the stuff that they're doing, like, it's a huge thing that they talk about and think is really important. You have on here, visual auditory kinesthetic. So as, as a coach, you know, how do you go about finding, um, what a player's best learning style is and then how do you use that to, to kind of implement almost like individual, because I guess it'd be kind of hard as a coach, if you have a, a whole team mm-hmm. to do all of that, but like, how, how would you balance all of that once you kind of understand each kid and how they go about their business? Well, the first thing we've done is just ask them, how do you learn best? You know, <laughs> well, and simple. <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it seems simple, but it's like, Oh, we didn't do that last year. You know, like, we assumed video would help this kid, but actually, no, I learned best by getting reps in, you know, I learned best by feel. And again, I think someone kind of like commented on this one being like, I'm sure this is a very simplified version of learning styles. I'm sure it's like <laughs> another world that I didn't give enough like credit to, but um, it, it's interesting. And even um, there's this book language of coaching that I've gone into and, you know, even just the cues you use, like some kids are going to respond more to kind of those implicit and some more or, or internal and some are going to be more external and, um, and so I think one, some trial and error with certain kids, some kids just, you know, I'm very visual, like video is what helps me. Okay, great. We will incorporate that more, you know, um, some are feel based. So, okay. Hey, we're going to have to dedicate a little bit of our ice time to just like feel a lot more feel reps, which we didn't, you know, we, we can do a better job of. So I think, um, kind of just combining some of those, obviously you're limited on time, you know, you know, six hours of ice a day to cater to, to everybody and in their specific learning styles, but I think one, just asking kids, um, how they learn best. And then I think too, like having kids, um, having some players present topics, to other players and having them teach each other is something we're going to do a little bit more of this year. Um, I think that just might one help the person teaching it, right. If you have to teach it to someone you've had, you have to know it. Um, and two, I think it just gives another voice and perspective, um, for the other players and their peers, to, to kind of absorb the information, um, from someone that that's going through with them. That's awesome. I think, yeah. I mean, the best way to learn is to teach, right? (laughs) Yeah. And you know, like, I think it's one of those things too, right? You do a team video session and you get the same four kids answering, like they they know that, Hey, what should we have done there? Oh, you should have done this, you know? And, and so I think just being a lot more intentional about either one doing smaller groups two calling on certain, you know, like 
and, and I think even just having more group discussions about it versus just the Q and a, like, what should we have done is like, all right, Hey, let's turn on back on the lights. You know, a video clip is done. Like, Hey, break up into small groups and talk about this. And so it's not always kind of the same kids and, you know, you have the other kids that are just sitting there probably like, I have no idea what's going on. So trying to find where they don't feel that way, but they also feel empowered to, to contribute and, um, and really just absorb the, what you're trying to teach them, right? At the end of the day, that's what you're trying to do. Not just sit there and talk with some nice video clips. It's, Hey, we need this to like translate to your brain and then to come, you know, onto the ice and, and start seeing it applied. Um, so kind of figuring out how to link all those things together a little bit more by kind of understanding how kids learn best. Yeah, for sure. And I always felt like the, the players that I coached specifically at Cornell that went on to, you know, bigger and better things in pro hockey and stuff. I feel like one of the constants that they all had was like, you only needed to tell them once Mm, yeah, and then they got it. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't a, and maybe it wasn't right away. We have one simple discussion and then that was it but like you very rarely had to coach them if that makes any sense what what do you think compared that to maybe like a u16 team um i think there's a better overall understanding for the game i also think at the college level the they're just more mature (laughs) yeah but 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 also like they're all committed you know, I think yeah. in, in youth hockey, there's, there's, you know, you might not get 20 players that are as committed to wanting to be the best. Whereas when you're coaching at the college level, you're, you're a lot closer to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it always intrigued me as to why, you know, like why did Mitch Vanderlyn, you know, why did I only have to tell him one time to do something? And then mm-hmm. all of a he's, he's doing it. Cole Bardrow, you know, Cole Bardrow, yeah. you, you show one video and then he, you know, he goes out and he does it. And then you don't have to coach that skill or that concept ever again with them. Um, yeah. and, and so having this conversation about learning styles, it, it's causing me to reflect as a coach about, okay, well, maybe if I got to know how these kids learned a lot better then maybe that translation, well, maybe now I, now that I know that I'm only going to have to have one interaction with this kid and then they're going to be able to do it, which ultimately if one of my constants of the players that have moved on is you only had to tell them once Yeah. <laughs> as a coach, it just shows how important it can be to, to find out how they learn, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even maybe in probably less so college and more at the younger ages, but ma- making sure like the why is highlighted. Sure. You know, I, I think that's something that I noticed last year is just some kids get the the why you do it right away right other kids you have to really explain it you have to show here's the effect of doing you know here's the effect of doing x is yz um whereas some kids i think just oh yeah that makes sense um so yeah i think it just comes down to individual but i don't think it can ever hurt to really explain why you're working on a skill or what the you know what this will influence if you do this um, out on the ice. Yeah. So. It puts it into perspective for them a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some kids, I, yeah, I think just, yeah, everyone's a little different too, right? Even <laughs> in the classroom, like you can use a math class analogy and some kids just pick up math right away and others don't, they've got to work, you know, and I think that's like anything. Um, yeah. so just some, it's kind of more natural too, and others not so much. 
Yeah, I was not so much with math. Not, uh, <laughs> I was a communications major, so <laughs> yes. sociology. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Um, okay, awesome. I love that. Okay, moving on. I don't want to spend too much time on this one because um, this is kind of Jeff's domain. Um, but off ice training—that's another piece of it. And in the summertime, that is of the utmost importance. Do not be on the ice seven mm-hmm. times a week be in the gym with reputable trainers. You talk about strength and conditioning, athleticism, mobility, speed, agility. And, you know, for, for all the parents that are out here too, like if you're having your kids work with somebody that, um, you know, off ice, I, I think those things that the athleticism and mobility, I think those are like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Make athletes. And Jeff talks about it all the time. Like we need to produce better athletes and better athletes will be better hockey players. And, you know, obviously there's some specificity into hockey as opposed to a football player or a baseball player or a soccer soccer player. And that needs to be a part of it. But at the end of the day, like, are, is this person producing a better athlete? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I, I mean, obviously Jeff does this too, but like doing hand-eye coordination, right. Playing other sports, like making, or you do handball on the ice right? Like you're teaching the same Love concepts that. on the eye, you know, but in a different way. And I think, um, yeah, even, and again, I, so obviously you've read the book range by David Epstein. Like that's something that I think is really got, I read it last year and I kind of came back to it this year and, you know, I even started what, like cutting clips from soccer and showing that to a, you know, a kid, um, and being able to, hey, what's the connection between finding space here versus finding, you know, finding space on the ice or, right, you know, whatever it may be, or how do you draw someone to you and then move the puck or in this case, move the ball. So I think, you know, and then that comes back to the physical aspects too. I think, you know, being able to just move better, to think in more general concepts and, and train in more general concepts just, again, carries over to, to you know, problem solve on the ice, problem solve off the ice and then just, um, be more well-rounded. Totally. Totally. So, uh, if you want to learn more about this, Jeff Lavecchio has a blue check mark on Instagram. Oh, he sure does. <laughs> I got my give more, be more backpack. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah. Got a gold one. Very nice. <laughs> Good quality. Oh, uh, I like it. Yeah. Go to give more, be more. No, yeah. I do know. I get a, I have a discount code. Uh, I like it. Um, okay. So last couple that I want to talk to you about here and, and these are ones that, um, I mean, this is everything, not that all of this isn't everything, but you have sleep academics and nutrition are, are kind of like the three last ones here that we'll go over. Um, let's talk academics first. You and I both went to, to Cornell, um, academics was probably something that was very, very important to our families, uh, as we were growing up. So if you can just like talk about how academics fits into this whole player development model that you've put out here for us. I, th- I think it's such a big piece, especially if, you know, just what, again, whatever you're going to do after hockey. And I think it actually all three of these kind of thoughts here fall a little bit into like the, how you do anything is how you do everything. Um, like, how you work at school again, probably tells me a lot about how you can learn something new and, you know, be challenged, um, away from school. So I think just obviously academics are so important for the long run. And, um, and again, it's, it's all about those building those habits, um, that sustain you for the long term. And, and a lot of that kind of, you're in school six, seven, eight hours a day, it's a big chunk of your day as a high school kid. 
um, or a college athlete. And, and so there has to be that commitment and that balance to, to doing that and, you know, asking for help if you don't know something, um, you know, working together on, on group projects, that teamwork aspect and, and all those different areas as well. Yeah. Unreal. I, I, I totally agree. It's like how you do anything is how you do everything. And, but I, as I get older and I don't want to say wiser, but maybe <laughs> I like perspective is something that we talk about a lot. And I feel like education as a whole is so important to perspective. And the more we educate ourselves on the world or on anything, the more perspective we have on stuff. And we're living in this world right now where we're just kind of being bombarded with information. And especially with the algorithms and all this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff, we're being bombarded with the same information all the time. And so we're not getting the education for perspective on getting other people's views. And, you know, you can talk to anybody that's traveled the world, you know, like when you travel the world and you see other cultures and you see other places and you see other things, it gives you uh, a a deeper appreciation for your own worldview. And it might challenge some things that you've previously believed Mm -hmm. about, you know, and, and the, like, honestly, like the older I get, the more that perspective piece of the education and the academics, I I just feel like that can't be, it can't be like understated enough. Like it's so important for us to, to reach out and broaden our horizons and just learn about other things and other people. And, uh, man, it just, we're, we're living in this world right now where it's almost like we're being funneled into believing one thing and then yeah that one thing isn't what somebody else believes and then they're 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 gonna go to hell (laughs) yeah yeah no it's uh, yeah I couldn't I couldn't agree more and then even just the fact that we can google anything and in a point one second we have the answer to our question right and I think then you know I think the problem that's why I think you go back to you know people talk about problem solving on the ice in terms of skill and tactics and all this stuff but it's also like I feel like we don't problem solve like the most basic things because you can just go, you can find the easy route versus like thinking through, like, how did I, like, how do you get from point A to point B? Um, and that, again, it almost like, I know we're talking about academics, but it goes back to the, the goal saying like, okay, you want to go to play college. You want to play in the Olympic? Like, well, how do you get there? You know, like you actually have to like solve that problem and then, you know, be able to kind of like, do research and figure it out and ask people. And yeah, I think in terms of seeing different opinion and worldviews, like I think that's something that um, couldn't be more of a focus area for everybody um, these days, regardless of age or things like that. Um, But yeah, I think just being open-minded and like reading things from different sources and, and everything. And I think, you know, I think for the most part, I think academics challenges you to do that. Um, or you'd hope so at least. Yeah, that's the hope, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe not uh, every time, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the other part that goes to it too is, you know, we have kids that listen to the podcast and parents and as, as a former Ivy League coach, I will say that the better your grades are, if your dream is to play college hockey, the better of an opportunity you're giving yourself to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so the worse your grades are, you're just closing doors. You mm-hmm. know? And let's say you're a a plus student or a student or a B student. Now you have 60 division one schools. Yeah. You open up so many doors for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. And it's kind of like, you're going to need to fall back on at some point, right? Yeah. You can't play hockey forever at some point, like education, the, you know, the things you've studied or are passionate about and and like those things all come 
full circle. So it's so worth the investment and time. And, you know, maybe it's not the, the coolest or the funnest thing to do as, you know, or to think about as a high school kid, but um, it really, it, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you're just create, you're investing in yourself to create more opportunities. And um, that is a cool thing to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Last couple here, sleep and nutrition. How important are sleep and nutrition to, <laughs> yeah. to the development of our athletes here? Yeah. I don't think it could be, there could probably be enough talked about this, but I don't think it really gets talked about much like no, at all. Yeah. Um, you know, and catch up to drink. They're like, Oh, I stayed up till two in the morning. Like why, you know, like what were you possibly doing till two in the morning? And, you know, I, I get that there's, but I think, there's a time management aspect too that that ties into um like you can get you can get the right amount of sleep and here's why it's important um and same with nutrition right like you have yeah it's a balance like you don't need to be so strict and never eat a dessert or enjoy just you know family dinners and stuff but just being aware of it and I think with sleep and nutrition it's hey how can we you know with the kids we work with, like just at least make them aware of it and implement that one little change, like eat one extra vegetable a day. I'm not asking you to redo your whole diet, but eat one extra vegetable a day. Okay. That's seven in a week. Okay. We're looking, you know, six months down the road, we're looking at all these, all this little things add up and, um, same with sleep, like put your phone away or whatever you're doing before bed. That's keeping you up like 15 minutes earlier, just little, little things. And, um, and I think just the awareness of it. And I think, you, you know, you have the kids that buy into it, you, you, they see the results too. And so I think it becomes a little bit of a, a good feedback cycle there. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, then on the nutrition piece, like <laughs> live in moderation, Yeah. <laughs> live in moderation, which again, something I'm not very good at. Um, but yeah. And then the sleep part, I mean, I think we can all kind of like, even just think back to, when we get a lot of sleep, we usually feel yeah, pretty right. good. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> and when we don't, we, we feel pretty groggy and it's just simple, kind of simple science. But, you know, we live in a world where we're always talking about do more, do more, do more, mm-hmm. do more. But, you know, the, the recovery and the recuperation piece of it, and, and Jeff would say the same thing. We talk about it all the time. I mean, that's just as, if not more important than, you know, than this other stuff. And, you know, if you even think about it physiologically, when we're working out, what are we doing? Well, we're breaking down our muscles. We're breaking mm-hmm. it down. We're breaking it down. We're breaking it down. And then how do we get stronger? It's that recuperation. And so if you're doing the things to your body, eating better, sleeping better, treating your mind better, um, so your central ner- nervous system is better, like you're going to see much more benefits than people who are doing the same amount of work, like let's say in the weight room, uh, but they don't do the recovery side of it. That's that's mm-hmm. what I think separates a lot of people. I think I can agree more. And I, and I think even like kids tracking it, you know, you don't have to write down everything, but like, Hey, how much sleep did I get last night? And then, Hey, how'd I feel today? You know? And just, yeah. I, I used to have this like little notebook. I would just say, I got seven and a half hour, you know, here's kind of what I felt like I ate. And you know, I, here's how I felt on scale one to 10, you know, and actually kind of like looking. And I think even when, you know, you're starting to get kids that are, you know, more elite levels and things like that, but, um, just being able to, to track, Hey, this is when I play good. I play my best when I've gotten this, this, and this. And then that goes back to, you know, like this is who I am as a per- as an athlete and as a player for my team. And that's where I think, again, it all ties together. Um, but I think, you know, just having the awareness of the power of sleep and nutrition and, and making all your hard work actually pay off um, and not just go to waste is, is so crucial. 
that is a great way of looking at it. Like making sure that the work you put in actually pays off. Yeah, it doesn't just become a waste when you go get Chick-fil-A or McDonald's. <laughs> They're like, I walk in there and one of the kids is like drinking an energy drink. And I'm like, no, you know, <laughs> like, I'm like, don't, I'm like, do you know what's, can you even pronounce what's in this? You know? So it's, it's having those conversations too. And again, every kid's going to be different. Some kids are right away. They're like, yeah, no, I, I take, you know, I like eating healthy, blah, blah, blah. And another kid that's working with them a little bit more and just making those small changes or just again, making them aware of, Hey, you're working so hard. You're putting all this work and doing great things, but it's all going out the window. Cause you sleep five hours a night and you eat Chick-fil-A every day for lunch. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is huge, huh? Oh, they love, love it down here. I, well, I don't, I don't here, get, crazy. yeah, I don't get the hype personally, but I'm also just not really a fast food person. So Ooh, you might, you might lose some fans here by, by saying that Chick-fil-A is it, not your thing. It's not like it's bad. I just, I'm like, yeah, I don't get why people <laughs> wait in a line with 27 cars it's just for some nuggets. I don't insane. know. <laughs> I can't ever fathom spending 45 minutes doing that. <laughs> <laughs> time management there you go yeah there you go uh well gags this was an awesome conversation i really really appreciate it and uh i'm gonna send out uh another picture of this web that you that you drew up and uh it's like honestly like it's a great reminder for everybody out there that like player development is not just what you do on the ice it's a it's a part of it and mm-hmm. I don't want to say a small part of it, but it's kind of a small part of it. There's and so it's kind much of the result of all this stuff, right? Yeah. Like obviously it's, you know, you've been practicing hockey all your life. So you, you know, you, you're good at it, but Hey, how much better could you be if you invest in some of these little habits and, and just kind of really, and again, it's up to us as coaches and parents and support, you know, to, to make sure it's forefront and top of mind and actually, you know, having these conversations about it. Yeah. And if you think about it, I mean, from a perspective standpoint, even the people who are the hardest working people at hockey work, I don't know, three hours a day, Yeah, four hours a day, yeah. that's 20 hours of the day that, you know, you have to either get better or get worse. Uh, just like my squirt double a coach told us, but however, my squirt double a coach is the director of player development for the Washington capitals right oh, now. That so turned pretty out good, all right. Pretty yeah. good squirt double a coach. <laughs> there I you had. go. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah, this was awesome gags. So appreciate you coming on again and, uh, best of luck down there in Carolina with the summer you have ahead and we will be talking to you. I'm sure soon. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Coach.